and welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. <laughs> I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey. I'm the professional one. And we are qualified oh, London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Come off it, would you? Um, each week. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London Podcast and on our websites, guideemily.com and alexlacy.com, as well as our dedicated website, ladieswholondon.com, for the show notes and more information about our upcoming tours and who we are. Ding dang dong. Well done. <laughs> it wasn't me for once. No, but you made me laugh. How did I make you laugh? It was just, just, just my your stupid face. cheeky face. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. How are you, love? I'm all right, yeah. I've heard um, a few bangs outside. We'll get into that time Getting robbed? Oh, I see. Yes, yes no, the old uh, Catherine Wills and... Well, we've already gone past that. We That was last weekend. Well, it was, yes. Still happening? Yeah, still happening. For those who are not Brits, you have, might have no clue what we're talking about. We did, Although we did do a podcast on it last year, didn't we? We did do a podcast, yeah. yes, we did. Remember, remember the 5th of November. We spoke all about Guy Fawkes. Gunpowder, treason and yeah yeah so it's, it's that time again with all of the lovely fireworks although to be honest i've basically been sleeping for the last week so i really haven't seen much of anything uh fire only because you've been very busy i have been very busy i've been working my little socks off mm. um and basically work and sleep that's all i've been doing <laughs> but hey it's good how are things good busy G- good um, well, busy with Carmen. I mean, yeah. she is starting to become a very active little bunny. Um, she does not like being away from you, as no, I found she, out to my cost no, last oh, week. Oh, yes, we had a bit of a, a park <laughs> meet-up, didn't we? And, yeah, she's at the stage where she kind of goes a little bit... Spare? A little bit spare, a little bit... Um, she gets very freaked out. She goes out. off the chain the minute off you are not chain. attached to her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I have started to kind of put her down while she's crying to go to sleep. <laughs> You're <laughs> no, a very caring mother. Do that at five very months. caring mother. Do they? they? Okay. You can do that. Um, and I'll leave it for five minutes. And if she's still going, I'll go back in there. But past few times, it's been quite good. And she's just gone to sleep by herself. So that's good. Welcome to Parenting Tips by Emily. <laughs> yeah, it's Cheers, crazy which is Emily though. giving I mean, parenting tips still, and Alex who doesn't care. She's still not sleeping. I mean, you don't care. But she's, still, <laughs> she's up like every two hours or oh, whatever. Yeah. Bless her. Bless her. Um, but yeah, well, so anyway, I'm moving on from... being a mum. Moving on from mumness uh, to the podcast. Have you got any anybody to say hi to this week? Yeah, so we've had some lovely comments actually on Instagram. We have. So... Um, just your domain isn't it well while you're doing that i'm going to say hi to a couple of people i want to say hi to lexi who came on my harlots tour uh this week had just gone Uh, we had a great time it's lovely to meet her and uh, the other two people that she brought along um and she's been listening she she sort of sidled up to me part way through and went can i just say i'm a big podcast fan (laughs) like it it was a guilty little secret um so (laughs) hi lexi and thank you so much for coming and i also um got contacted um on twitter recently by um an old friend of mine called Robbie, who um, lives in America and we've been friends for quite a number of years now, um, ever since he and his wife came over and did a tour with me in the UK and a, with a bunch of kids, not all his um, <laughs> high school kids, because um, he's a teacher. 
and um yeah and he got in touch he said i've just found your podcast and i've just listened to the whole lot and uh, so hi robbie as well thank you so much for for popping along and saying hi lovely hi robbie um so this is from tilly 364 on instagram ah the, the 364th of the tillies <laughs> and um she said that she was um very excited that she's finally caught up enough to join in <laughs> with our podcast pedestal which i Yay! thought was really sweet happy first voting tilly absolutely and we've got i'm del grosso uh, on Instagram, I think I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, um, who picked Kathy B for your podcast choice or for their podcast choice and said, love this episode. Well, to be honest, love them all and can't <laughs> wait to get back to London to go on a tour with you ladies. Yeah, come on a tour. Absolutely. And uh, Cheryl got in touch with me and asked me how my gooseberry was. So <laughs> <laughs> I said, thanks, it's Cheryl. It's a very it's personal great. question. <laughs> And if you don't know what we're talking about, then um, listen to last week's pod. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which was a lot of fun. So before we go on, we have got to clear up Podcast Pedestal. Now we have a bit of news about Podcast Pedestal, which is news. not not going to be good news for Tilly, who's just caught up. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the news, Em? So the news is that we're just going to change it a little bit because we want to hear from you because every week we choose our own crux points of the story which becomes the podcast pedestal winner each week but we want you to tell us what you think was the crux point or something about the story that just made you go wow didn't know that or that was weird and we're going to read them out yeah um, and then pick our favorite and then pick our fave yeah absolutely i think it's a good plan it's basically plan. Emily's really sick of trying to pick things. She gets really cross about it. No, I've just been winning for such a long time now. It's just like, you know, I just feel sorry for you, Alex. So, so what that means is that whatever the score is today between us, we'll figure out. Now, I can't win because I think I'm one behind. So it's either <gasps> going to be you, a win, an Let overall win to you see. or a draw. So we are currently... 26 to you, 27 to me. <gasps> so it's so, either a draw or you've won. And we might bring it back again in the future. Who knows? We'll, we'll, who knows? we'll see how it who goes. Um, if none of you can come up with any good ideas for podcast pedestals, then we'll just carry on. But yeah, we'll just have to bring it back. Um, so it's either a win to you or it is a um, a draw. Of course, mm. I'm I'm rooting for a draw because... Of course you are. Of course you I'm are. I mean, I'm happy Horrifyingly competitive. Of course you are. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. You'll only be happy with a win. Absolutely. <laughs> so last week we spoke about Twining's tea and we your did. pick was My pick was um Catherine of Braganza or Catherine. Kathy B. B. Uh because she uh, I can't actually remember what she did now that was so important, but she was quite important. What what did she, she do? She brought tea over from Portugal oh, or yeah, she that demanded that she wanted tea and you did your fantastic Portuguese accent. Did I? <laughs> I don't yes, even remember. you sounded very much like the Queen. Oh yes, yeah. oh yes, of course I did. Goodness me, I forget. I forget my own name day to day. So that was mine. What was your option? My option was the Golden Lion, which uh, lays just above the door yeah. of the Twining Shop, and, and was coincidentally the name of the first tea shop that just sold tea before it became Twining's. Absolutely. So those are the options. Um, it is incredibly close. Is it? there's one vote in it is there one vote yeah really? so it's approximately 49 and a half percent to 15 and a half percent i don't know whether to trust you alex Lacey. well you don't know which way it's gone oh has it gone my way i think it, it has hasn't it 
I think it has. <gasps> oh my god, is it going to go with mine? No, ah! it hasn't. No, it didn't. It went the other way. It went my way. Seriously? Yes. That was so naughty. <laughs> I know. Oh my yeah! god, I really believed I you. Didn't lose. I'm mediocre again. Oh, but you know what? I think that's a that's a pretty beautiful moment, Alex. That we've you know it's very heartwarming together on the same same level. Very heartwarming. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't help either of our horrifyingly competitive natures. But it probably avoids arguments. <laughs> it does. No, I think it does, definitely. Because I would have lost my... Uh, Rag. My bobble hat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. We are equal on 37 each. And we may bring it back in the future. Sorry, but Alex, we thought it was time... 27? Oh, 27. 27 We've done each. that many, have we? 27 no. each. Whoops. 27 each. Um, but we may bring it back. And I think it will just... Uh, we'll see if you guys can come up with some great ideas. We'd, we kind of thought we'll turn the tables on you a little bit. Exactly. We would love to hear from you. And with that, Alex, do you want to tell us about this week's Yes, I'm super excited about this week's one. Right, so this week we are talking about um, the rather legendary Dick Turpin. Um, I linked him to, I mean, it's a bit tenuous because, well, he is linked to London. um, But of course, he's quite famous for not being in London, for being up in the north of England. Uh, but I have linked him to, I think we linked him to Drury Lane, didn't we? Although he has links in Whitechapel too. Yes. So what do you know about Dick Turpin? Oh, I know that he, well, was a bit of a, a bit of a naughty character. <laughs> um, I say that because my connection to Dick Turpin is Carry On Dick, Barbara <laughs> Winter <laughs> and Sid James. And it's very much kind of, you know, pistols at dawn. Like your big pistol. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, let me get this sentence out. <laughs> Hold it together, girl. You can do it. Pistol out, stand and deliver. You know, there's a fine fillion in her frills um, in the carriage. She's got to get out. She's got to give Dick Turpin all of her money, probably all. <laughs> <laughs> or at least that's what happens dicked up in, in that famous crossdresser <laughs> yeah hilarious um yeah so that's kind of the image of dick turpin isn't it this almost sort of romantic kind of swashbuckling guy in a in a pointed hat and uh you know all that kind of thing and, and it's kind of it is quite a sort of romantic image isn't it i guess that thing of swashbuckling quite gentlemanly you know holding up carriages and and saying to ladies you know give me all your all your jewels and all your money and them kind of going oh dick turpin and you know giving over jewels and sort of having a bit of a alex a lust got a, after him i absolutely have no- <laughs> completely separate subject i absolutely <laughs> absolutely have not because because he's well okay so the, the like the romantic ideal of him is is quite exciting the real thing is really quite different so he's got this sort of legendary status like america's got like jesse james and australia's got ned kelly and we've got dick turpin and he's this sort of yeah escaping the law and it, it's quite a glamorous little thing but the the reality is that he is actually quite a dangerous, violent guy yes. who didn't actually spend that much of his, let's say in inverted commas, career as a highwayman. He actually spent it as a, uh, well, a variety of different thieving jobs, if you like. So back to the start, he's born in 1705 um, and was apprenticed as a butcher, possibly in Whitechapel. Oh. 
he's definitely got links to Whitechapel. Whether he's at Whitechapel quite so early, we don't know. He gets married in um, 1725. His wife doesn't actually really take too much of a massive role in this story. Um, because he turned to crime pretty early on. Now, what, it does seem that butchering back in in, in in days gone by, times of yore, seemed to be something that was almost like a gateway job into crime. Because I think, I don't know, you're, you're chopping up animals and you're, you're knowing how to wield weapons and knives and things like that. And there does seem to be an awful lot of people who go on from being butchers to being some other kind of criminal. Mm. And this is what Dick Turpin does. He turns to crime and actually he turns to castle cattle rustling. Um, oh. So, yeah, ste- stealing cattle. Cattle rustling. Okay, Absolutely. stealing cattle. Mm. Yeah, and he goes in with a gang who are based, because he's based in Essex, which is where he's, he's, I don't know if I said, he was born in Essex. Uh, so he's in your neck of the woods. Uh, and this, you know, this comes in quite handy. He understands animals quite well. His knowledge of butchery is very good in stealing livestock and then selling them on and that kind of thing. And he joined a rather notorious gang in 1730. Again, they, again, they were based in Essex, mm-hmm. and it was called the Gregory Gang. Now, there are... do, it doesn't sound very uh, <laughs> threatening. You're not scared yet. You're not trembling in your boots. The Gregory just yet. Gang. That does sound a little bit like what, the Gregory Gang. The oh. Gregory Gang. What Fancy are they chaps. doing? Oh, they're off buying cherry bakewells. <laughs> Is that what you think posh men do? <laughs> yes, Gregory's do. You are a posh white woman, aren't you? You should know about this. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, the Gregory gang are pretty horrible. They are, uh, they're very dangerous. They're quite violent. They do lots of robbing and stuff like that. And they have a very profitable line in both robbery and poaching deer. Now, occasionally they're going to rob the odd carriage going by, but very, very rarely would you rob a carriage. The, the, the Essex gang, uh, the, sorry, the Gregory gang are actually kind of a bit, a little bit, um, I don't want to say cowardly because I'm like, yes, do a robbery properly. But, you know, they <laughs> they tend not to go for carriages. They tend to go for lone travellers and farms and houses that are quite remote. So basically okay. you know, they're going for the easy win, really. Yeah. But the crimes do go, they, they escalate quite quickly. There was a very um, famous occasion where, um, and, and Dick Turpin was involved in this, uh, they went into a farmhouse, it's quite remote farmhouse, with um, uh, the leader of the gang of, of the, the Gregory boys, a guy called Samuel Gregory. And uh, this chap was who lived there was 70 years old. He was, he was known because he used to pay his staff very well. Um, so he, well, I say staff, you know, basically you know workers his, his farm workers and so they co- of course thought well he's got loads of cash hasn't, hasn't he and so they went in and they took this 70 year old man hostage bashed oh. him over the head with a gun oh, uh, and then they emptied a kettle of boiling water over him as well <gasps> oh, and also awful also abused his servants in pretty horrible ways that i don't want oh, to go into particularly hang on a minute, Alex. i know <laughs> suddenly got very brutal we were only four minutes in i know i told you didn't i <laughs> it's boiling hot water i know over a 70 year old man oh, but these God. guys are not to be trifled with there's um, no. one of the most famous attacks took place in 1735 um in a place called loughton uh oh, and they, yeah you know loughton i used to go swimming in loughton did you well there yeah. you go maybe there you're you go. maybe you're linked to the gregory gang who knows <laughs> <laughs> with your with your love of blood and gore, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, yes, I have turned on a couple of kettles in my time. <laughs> usually, usually for your fancy fruit teas. But anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, they were in, in Louter and they um, they broke into the home of 
quite a, an elderly lady, a lady that was known as Widow Shelley. Um, there were five of them broke in with pistols. Oh. One of them we think was Dick Turpin, but we don't know for sure. And they tried to, to make her give up the whereabouts of her money and jewellery and all that kind of thing. And they threatened to hold her over a fire to make her <gasps> confess where she hid her money. And she oh refused. She said, I'm not going to do that. And they were about to put her on the fire and her son gave in and, <gasps> and they made off with about £100 and some silver and stuff like that. Oh, Widow Shelley. What I know. happened to her? I think she was fine because her son stepped oh. in. But, you know, these guys got away with all their money and a chunk of silver and they also helped themselves to her kitchen, so ale and wine and oh meat and all that God. sort of stuff. I mean, she must have been quite a, a strong woman for five of them to be around her. Right? You know, she's over the hot coals. And, and just be like, nope, not doing it. No. Not doing it. And her oh, son in the end on was you, the one Shelley. who went, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, sorry, mum, but... And, and so that was quite a famous crime and it, it got quite a lot of press attention and, and this, you know, made the Gregory gang kind of the hot ones to try and catch and mm. in in that same year some of the gang are caught I, however dick turpin and samuel gregory the leader of the gang were not caught as, at all dick turpin basically disappears becomes a this is when he becomes a highwayman but we do have a record of him at this point and this is where the link comes into drury lane this is possibly the last uh, drink that he ever has in London oh. because there's a case at the Old Bailey of theft and it's concerning members of the Gregory gang and they talk through what happened and they mention that they were all drinking at the White Hart Inn at the top of Drury Lane which still exists today mm-hmm. uh, before a robbery, a rather famous robbery that was up in I think Hampstead sort of way um, and they all said oh that we came in here for a you know a, a drink blah, blah blah before we went off and did the robbery and they mentioned it says the names of the people who were arrested and then it says and Samuel Gregory and Richard Turpin not yet taken so those two had avoided arrest right the ones who were arrested were tried and executed whoops but anyway <laughs> now that that pub at the White Hart Inn they do say that they were the last drink that Dick Turpin had before he was executed, but he wasn't executed in London, so uh, not not really very true. Anyway, but this is where he starts, his kind of highwayman, let's call it a career, shall we? (laughs) Yes, why not? It's short-lived, but, you know, it's still uh, quite a big part of the story. So he decided to... There was another chap who used to belong to the Gregory gang called Thomas Rowden, and, and they worked together. And there were quite a few robberies in 1735 which are attributed to him around Mile End and Epping Forest, quite a lot around there. And then they went down opposite side of the city, down to Wandsworth, and did a few oh, nice. robberies down there too. And it's it went on record to say that um, a few days later, there was a, a robbery again in Wandsworth, which would have ended with the victim's murder, except Rowden talked Dick Turpin out of it. Oh, so Dick Turpin, pretty rowdy character. Yeah, he's you know, definitely on the edge. Yeah, he doesn't take prisoners. He's just going to get rid of mm. get rid of anything that crosses his path. So at this what's point, his, sorry, Alex, can I ask what's his tool of choice? Well, that's a very good question. Well, he did I have a blunderbuss. Yeah, okay. he had a blunderbuss and a, a carabiner as well. So he did have some um, <laughs> some no, basically guns. Carabiner. I don't care what he drank, Alex. <laughs> so I don't know what he killed with. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's possibly one of your best jokes ever. <laughs> Don't care what you drank. God. I love it. Um, so yeah, so he had a can of Ribena. Uh, um, yes, he had pistols. So that would be normally his 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 method. His okay. method. I don't know the names of pistols. 
No, nor do I. But every, uh, there's loads of reports that that talk about him shooting people with a carabiner. So okay. Um, that, so I guess it's a it's a kind of pistol, yeah. Um, I always like blunderbuster. That always sounds quite good. Blunderbuster sounds like a bra. Yeah, well, you know, some of us have no. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, your blunderbuster on. <laughs> Come on, mother, get that blunderbuster on. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on in that? House? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so at this point, <laughs> oh, mother. Come on, mother. Anyway, get your blunderbuster on. Moving swiftly onwards. Um, so these these kind of these uh, robberies, and particularly this one where he nearly uses his uh, his mother's bra uh, to kill somebody. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's a price that's put on their heads. Said, well, not really on their heads so much, but for information leading to their capture of one hundred pounds, which is quite a lot of money. Mm. So, and the two of them are really quite brazen. They seem to do a, a ton of robberies in Wandsworth. And there's even a report that uh, in a couple of months later in that same year, the pair of them ride through central London in broad daylight. Ooh. So they're really flirting with, you know, with the law a little bit. Yeah. But they're not stupid. And they decide to lie low for a bit. Rowdon actually heads off and assumes another name and goes off to a different part of the country. And we kind of lose track of Dick Turpin for a year or so. Um, we don't quite know what happens to him. We, he possibly crosses the channel and goes to somewhere like Holland uh, to do a bit of robbing and pillaging over there under another name. We're not mm. sure. But we meet up with him again two years later in 1737, where he joins forces with another highwayman, a guy called Matthew King, who's known as Tom King. It's a great, you know, just not Matt, but Tom. The Gregory is in Tom King. Yeah, exactly. Tom King. Um now, they worked together for a little bit and they were doing some highwayman robbery stuff and this kind of thing. And then their story ends in a slightly dramatic way. Um, they had, in fact, they were doing some highwayman stuff, but they were actually doing a lot of horse stealing. And this is something that, that Dick Turpin goes on to do a lot of, stealing of horses. And they steal a rather distinctive horse mm. from a horse dealer. The horse is called White Stockings, so you can probably guess... <laughs> Yeah, not a very creative name, <laughs> but it's quite a well-known horse and it's quite uh, distinctive. And what they decide to do is stable it in Whitechapel in uh, a pub which is known as the Red Lion Inn on Commercial Road. So close to where you and I um, guide very, very regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the owner of the horse who had had it um, stolen reported his loss to um, a chap who was a landlord at a pub called the Green Man. And this guy was called Richard Bayes, and you want to remember his name. So he reports it to this chap, and, and Richard Bayes, he's, he's the kind of guy, he's got a few fingers and a few pies, and he's got a good little network going on around there. So he puts the word out to his network of sort of landlords and, and, and people working in the, the pub industry, and he tracks this horse down to where it is in the Red Lion Inn. <laughs> It's just like props at the bar having a couple of drinks. Oh, no, right? Like, down <laughs> Why the long face? Hey! <laughs> so, <laughs> what they do is he, tell, he tells the, the owner of the horse this, and the owner of the horse um, thinks, I'm going to kind of check this out, and he, he reports this to a constable in the area. And they think, well, we're going to lie low and we're going to watch what happens. And you then get Tom King and uh, Dick Turpin, who arrive at the pub, to collect the horse now tom king goes oh he's just outside his brother goes in and they realize very quickly the constable realizes that um tom king and dick turpin are outside Mm. and he tries to arrest them 
Tom King shouts for Dick Turpin. He says, shoot, shoot this guy or we're going to be arrested. So Dick Turpin, I know. Yeah, he says, we're going down. He says, shoot him for the love of God, shoot him. And Dick Turpin does. He shoots at this constable, but he misses him and he shoots Tom King instead. Oh my God. Yeah. And what Dick Turpin then does is turns his turns his horse around and just flees, just legs it. And Tom King doesn't die immediately. He he dies after about a week. He lives for a week, which is kind of long enough. There's a there's a, re- a report that says he lived for a week long enough to basically call him out to anyone who'll listen as being a coward. So, yeah, his his time in in London is really not gone uh, particularly well so he leaves and we don't really see him in central london again he goes out to epping forest and he lives in a cave there oh lives in a cave lives in a cave and uh, this is kind of i imagine this a little bit along the lines of kind of robin hood you know that fantastic thing of outlaws living in forests and just sort of you know dancing around fires all that kind of stuff you know snogging maid marion and all that kind of thing yeah um but apparently Epping Forest was well known for where uh, criminals would go and hide out oh, because, oh. you know, it's quite easy to it's, do. Yeah. Easy, easy to hide around there, I guess. Easy to hide, hard to find somebody, you know, mm. that kind of thing. And it, apparently he had, well, reports are that he had a bed and clothing and food and wine in this cave. So he set the whole thing up. You know, he's oh. got he's got his spot. And so that's where he would operate from quite a lot. However, the area was patrolled and the people patrolling knew of Dick Turpin. So one day he was spotted by a man called Tom Morris. And Tom Morris was a servant um, at a house nearby who recognised him as a robber, tried to capture him, and Dick shot him and killed him again. So it's, you know, he's just like, body trail is absolutely God. enormous. Then I guess, you know, once you've shot at one person <laughs> and you've got away... There's probably, well, once you know, once you put that one woman on a fire, where, well, exactly. You just go, well, that's it. You know, I'm, I've, I've yeah. given myself to the devil. Here we go. In for a penny, in for a pound. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, this does not go down well with the locals. Fairly obviously, because he's killed an innocent, uh, an innocent man, and they make a really big deal about needing to get him arrested. And at this point, a reward is offered of two hundred pounds for him. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, which is a, definitely a massive increase. Mm. And this is for any information leading to the capture of him. And there's also an article that comes out in a magazine called The Gentleman's Magazine, because this is part of a public appeal to find Dick Turpin. Um, and they put a description of him. So this is the description. I'm going to read it to you because it's kind of cool. About five foot nine inches high, brown complexion, very much marked with the smallpox, his cheekbones broad, his face thinner towards the bottom, his visage short, pretty upright and pretty broad about the shoulders. Oh. But that's the description we have of Dick Turpin. So none of this sort of, you know, six feet something, slender, glamorous gentleman that we kind of have in our mind mm. as the Dick Turpin today. And I'll come to why we've got that image of him in a bit. Anyway. Um, and it, so he decides to actually leave the area and go north. Now, highwaymen, it's said that during the 17th and 18th centuries, the highwaymen kind of ruled the highways. Stagecoaches would be held up by masked horsemen at gunpoint and you know, the rich passengers would be robbed and, and deaths were not uncommon. There'd be, you know, somebody tried to do something clever. These guys have got guns. They're going to, you know, mm. they're going to take you down. But at this point, Turpin is, is, he's now alone. He's, all of his kind of friends and accomplices are either dead or in prison. 
And in fact, even his wife spent some time in jail. He'd written to her um, because he spent a lot of time away from his wife because, you know, he's tootling around all over the place. And he'd written a letter arranging to meet up and the authorities had intercepted the letter and they had uh, set up an ambush for him. Now, rather interestingly, and I don't know how, but Dick Turpin found out about this. And so he left, didn't bother warning his wife, though. So she was arrested in prison. <gasps> oh, God, didn't yeah. manage to kind of, you know, I don't... send a little note her way. Absolutely. Well, either that or just didn't bother. It was like, ah. I suppose he thought if I send a note, they're going to intercept that, aren't they? They're going oh, well, yeah, to find that, yeah. Whatever. Oh, dear. Okay. So at this point, he thinks, right, well, I need to go somewhere else and I, I really need to lay low. So he heads north to the sort of Lincolnshire, Yorkshire area and renames himself John Palmer. Mm. And so the name of Dick Turpin kind of, you know, in London, they're still looking for him, but elsewhere, they're not really. And he spends quite a lot of time in the Birmingham area and up and towards in the Yorkshire area, particularly along Watling Street. Now, you know Watling Street in London, don't you? Mm, mm. And anyone listening who might have heard of Watling Street, it's basically a historic Roman road that crosses England. So it starts around the kind of Canterbury on the Kent coast, comes up through London and then on to the Birmingham and Shrewsbury area. And it still kind of exists in parts today. If you go from uh, London to Dover, um, the A2, is pretty much very you know more or less the roman road there's a chunk of it in london still and then pretty much from london up to shrewsbury on the a5 that is most of what is watling street so it still exists and in this period that we're talking about it still had the name watling street as well so it's quite an easy place for for highwaymen to just go up and down along it because it's a major carriage route across the country and plenty of places to, to stop and ambush people. So that is one of the places that he would hang out quite a lot and do his highwayman stuff. And when people came to the area to capture him, he would leave his house and he'd ride to a nearby inn and he'd hide, I love this, he'd hide in the chimney of the bar and put his horse in the cellar so that they wouldn't get captured. And it seems that he was quite popular with the locals because when he was there hiding in the chimney, he'd buy booze for them all in exchange for their silence. Oh my God, that's brilliant. Which <laughs> is just fantastic. <laughs> all right, lads, I'm just here. I'm going to go up the chimney. Have, have, you know, have some money, have some drinks on me and don't tell him I'm here. Have you got a bird up there again? No, no, no. It's just Dick Tarpin. It's all right. It's going to buy us a round of drinks. Stuffed up a chimney, yeah, chimney stack, which is How hilarious. funny. So he slightly kind of makes a living from stealing horses and mm. he'd steal them in places like Lincolnshire, South Lincolnshire, and he takes them up the road to sell in Yorkshire and that kind of thing. Now, we come to the end, and he's, he's, he, he really, his sort of big career as a criminal and a highwayman is not actually that long lived. He's born, like I said, in uh, 1705, and he doesn't even make, actually, let me do the maths on this, um, he doesn't even make 40. Mm. Um, now, what the reason for this is, do you know the kind of thing, when, whenever you get big criminals, they're often, especially when they, they go sort of a little bit incognito, they tend not to get arrested for the massive crimes, do they? They tend no. to get arrested for something small and then they go, oh, wait, we've actually got somebody big here. Yeah. Like Al Capone, wasn't it? Arrested on tax fraud, I think, and things like that. And this is kind of the same with Dick Turpin. He's arrested for something in 1738, end of 1738, absolutely hilarious. He shoots his landlord's chicken in the street. The landlord has a go at him and then he threatens to shoot the landlord as well. <laughs> so he's arrested 
But bear in mind, he, he's masquerading as John Palmer right now, so they don't actually know they've got Dick Turpin. Wait, hang on a minute. Why did he shoot the chicken? I honestly don't know. There was I read a couple of different reports about why. There was one that possibly he was on a hunt um, with uh, his landlord and a few other people, and he kind of shot it and chucked it over the fence in a in a mood. You know, to be honest, <laughs> he doesn't hunt. sound the most stable. So I imagine if he's just trying to pee someone off, he probably would do that. Yeah, he's probably honest. yeah. I guess thinking, God, I haven't shot this gun for a while. That chicken's yeah, well. giving me the eye. <laughs> Damn those chickens. <laughs> Um, now he's near Hull when he's arrested in a place called Bruff and he's sent to um, the House of Correction in a, a little town called Beverly and fun fact I went to the university in Hull and I lived near Beverly so it's oh, all kind of my neck of the woods and then he was moved to York Castle um, imprisoned and by this point they still think he's just John Palmer bog standard mm-hmm. now from here he writes to his brother-in-law who's back down um, in London his brother-in-law uh, it has the absolute best name his name and get this is pomper rivenal what i know p-o-m-p-r pomper 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 rivenal stick it up your jumper <laughs> that is absolutely mad where's madness he isn't it where was he born London. I, I have no information about pomper rivenal at all but what a fantastic name gosh okay know. so yeah so he writes to him to ask for help and the post back in the 1700s you didn't pay to post a letter you paid to receive a letter mm. now what happens is his brother-in-law uh, refuses to pay the sixpence due on the letter because he sees the york postmark and he says well mm. i don't know anyone there i've got no contacts mm. there i'm not going to pay for that so it gets returned to the local post office and this is where the story gets really bizarre and really kind of oh just really disappointingly unlucky for dick turpin He's identified as Dick Turpin by his former teacher, a guy called James Smith. James Smith, and I don't know what he's doing at the post office or how he gets his eyes on on the bit of post, but he recognises the handwriting on the letter and he says, that's Dick Turpin's handwriting. I remember him, I taught him. And he identified him and he collected the £200 reward for identifying him. Wait, so he was his teacher when? When he was... When he was back in Essex. A teenager? When, as he was growing up. Yeah, as he was growing up, as, as a child. He must have had some pretty strange handwriting or something I mean, very kind of distinctive about right? it. But he recognised oh, it. Maybe he kind of like... Um, well, you say that, but I mean, you you, you would probably still recognise the handwriting of your best mate when you were at school, wouldn't you? Like, I don't know. Do you not? I think I totally would. Mm. Like, I recognise if I get a handwritten yeah. letter. I mean, obviously it doesn't happen as much now. But if I get a handwritten letter from my dad or something, I recognise his handwriting immediately. Oh, or a friend. True. you know, I guess so. But I guess as a teacher... You've probably, yeah, but, probably dealing with lots of... I mean, to be, of... to be fair, Dick Turpin does sound like he might have been a bit of a challenge. Whatever the reasons are, he remembers yes. him. And he remembers that Yes, he's probably doodling on all sorts of bits of paper that you shouldn't probably. have been. Or sending him, you know, notes going, I'm going to kill you, or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this is what um, happens. So he identifies me, he says, oh. actually, this guy that you've got, who says he's John Palmer, is actually Dick Turpin. Now... The identity was, was revealed and horse theft was a capital offence from 1545. So mm. he was sentenced to death. And so not sentenced to death for all the other stuff he'd done, but for horse theft of all God, things. So he was killed. Yes, he was. Now, he was not going to go out without a song and a dance, was he? Of course he wasn't. Of course not. This is Dick Turpin. Dick Turpin. He wasn't executed in London. He was executed in York. 
mm. at the at the gallows there. And before he was uh, sentenced, before he he actually had the. Um, uh, the sentence carried out he bought himself a new coat and shoes he wanted to you know go out with a looking looking his best and he hired five professional mourners as well so oh. when he went in this open cart which was very i should say very heavily uh, protected because they knew that somebody might well try and break him out he had these five mourners going through with him and of course you know they'd be there the execution and he paid them to be the mourners and he was like waving and bowing at everybody and and it was well, do you, you know, know what I'm, I don't, I'm not surprised because he's been on the run for so many years. He's been hiding up chimneys. Yeah. He hasn't really been able to spend any money on, you know, good clothes because otherwise people would have been like, you know, who's this guy? Look at this expensive jacket. So he's like, do you know what? I've got all this money. I'm just, just going to spend a little bit of money on myself. Have some Absolutely. people that are going to cry over me yeah. and just wave as if he's a bit of a celeb. Which he kind of was really. Yeah. So yeah, you know, he gave it all. He gave it a really, really good show. And there was um. So it's 1739 when he's hanged. He's he's arrested in 1738. It's around the time of Jack, isn't it? Jack Shepherd. Yes, it is actually. It's about that time, yeah. Yeah. Should have he should have made better friends, shouldn't he? They mm, could have got him yeah. out anyway. Uh, well, clearly not because they didn't work at that prison, did it? Mm. Um. So yeah, he was hanged in 1739, and there was a, again an account in a magazine that talked about it. And I, th- these sort of magazines are fantastic because they give us an eyewitness account of these things, and they give you a little bit of an insight. So he's there with his fabulous coat and shoes, um, and it says Tur- um, Turpin. I've nearly almost read Turnip then. Turpin <laughs> behaved in an undaunted manner as he mounted the ladder, feeling his right leg tremble. He spoke a few words to the topsman, and then threw himself off and expired in a few minutes. Oh, I love that. So all, all the theatre, all the theatre going on with minutes. it as well. Oh, gosh. Now, interestingly, the site of his execution was Knavesmere, which is where York Racecourse is today. So he oh. was executed for horse theft and the, race, the horse racecourse is right on top of him or where he wow. was executed. He's buried in St. George's Church, Fishersgate, which is in York. And again, the church still exists and you can go and see his gravestone. Now, what's interesting, at the, on the gravestone, it's got both names. It's got both John That's Palmer oh, and Dick Turpin. Yeah. <gasps> so he's got his alias on there. That's so interesting. But the story doesn't stop there. Oh, We've been here before with another character. Uh, his body was snatched about a week after oh. he was buried for illegal dissection. And some people... So obviously he's very his much a bit of... snatched? Oh, Charlie Chaplin. I mean, not for dissection, mm. but his body was stolen. Mm. Um, now, he's obviously a bit of a celebrity because people do find out that, th- that his body's been stolen and they figured out who it was that had bought the body and they descend on the surgeon's house who's bought him and both the body snatcher and the surgeon are both arrested and fined and then Dick Turpin is reburied at the, at the same site again so he's still there he's still how, there. Long, how long after is this? Oh, a few days to a week I okay. read a couple of different reports but I think yeah up to a week you wouldn't want much Gosh. later than that because you know otherwise the body wouldn't be particularly uh, fun but it is in the winter that he's executed so it's colder and what have you Okay. so one of the things well, actually, before we come on to that, there are two major books that are written about him. The first one is written by somebody very interesting. It was called The Genuine History of the Life of Richard Turpin. And it was written by Richard Bayes. Do you remember Richard Bayes? I Richard Bayes is the person you said 
remember this I remember did. this name you remember the so name do you remember who he was so he was the owner of um white stockings wasn't he not the owner of white stockings he's the owner of the pub and the guy owner who the locates pub. white stockings ah, okay. through his contacts that kind of led to the whole death Lest of Tom forget white stockings exactly so clearly richard bays thought oh, i'm gonna get in on this and he writes very quickly i think he comes out either the same year that dick turpin is executed or the following year oh i thought you were gonna say it was a relative with the same name no he no. actually writes it no oh, he okay. writes it he thinks i'm getting in on this story because oh. it would have been you know it was it was quite a big thing it made the press and everything he obviously thought i'm cashing in and so he wrote and given that he'd got a, a a part to play in it which is how we know about this whole incident with the horse and what happened is because it's written by richard bays in the book and he was the wow, guy that was there that's really interesting yeah, because yeah. he probably you know talks about different atmospheres and people of the day I and, know. Mm. whether or not it's still in press i do not know i do not mm. know but the other book we're going to chat about is the 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 thing that gives us this image that we have of Dick Turpin as being this sort of glamorous highwayman. <laughs> I'm bringing you around to it, aren't I? Um, he was also said... Now, one thing we haven't mentioned, if anyone knows the story of Dick Turpin, there are two very big things that are linked to him that we haven't mentioned. One is his horse called Black Bess, who was a jet black horse, uh, apparently one of the fastest horses in the country. And he's also very famous for riding from London to York 200 miles in a single day. Wow. Both of these are complete rubbish. Okay. But they come from the second book that was written, nearly 100 years after his death, which was a book called Rookwood. And it was written by a guy called Harrison Ainsworth in in the 1830s. And he describes in this book Turpin galloping north in the dark and this amazing, massive black horse um, that he's uh, galloping on. And, you know, she accompanies him on everything there. And this, plus loads of local stories about Dick Turpin. So the things of him hiding in in chimneys and people remembering him. Well, actually, not by this point, but the, the, the story that had been passed down of this guy um this was basically instrumental in kind of securing essentially this romantic reputation for well not just dick turpin but for highwaymen uh, mm. as well and in his book in the book uh, rookworth um the turpin that is written by harrison ainsworth says it is as necessary for a man to be a gentleman before he can turn highwayman as it is for a doctor to have his diploma oh so it's him that gives us this idea of this gallant, exciting, gentlemanly guy charging across the UK in in a single day on this amazing steed. And it's just altogether a kind of Victoriana, or sort of Victoriana, romantic ideal of highwaymen that just did not exist at all. In fact, the riding to York thing was attributed to a completely different highwayman altogether, although it's probably still rubbish, but still completely... Um, linked to him so that that really glamorous image we've got of dick turpin is absolute rubbish and he's actually quite a violent you know bit of a bully really absolutely in reality which is probably a bit of a come down from from what we might hope we might uh, yeah find I out mean, about him. it's that's definitely how they portray him in the carry on movie yeah you know exactly. where he's kind of like he's shouting stand and deliver and you've got these yeah. women with curls around their ears that are poking their head out of the the carriage yeah. door and go oh my god it's tick turpin it's tick turpin exactly <laughs> exactly whereas actually the, the the reality would have been very very different yeah so it's all to do with that book called rookwood 
that we get that image and and you know things like the carry on movies and and there's tons of movies about dick turpin and all sorts of stuff all yeah, of that comes from this one book which they then have taken and gone and you know run with and, and all of that but but that is the true story of dick turpin oh, dick turpin so there wow we go. gosh <laughs> wow really interesting yeah and i was thinking as well you know about you saying that in terms of letters you would only pay to receive a letter and not to mm. send a letter. Yeah. And you think about how many important pieces of information that could well change your life would just yeah. never have been read because yeah. of that. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, wow. I really you could also, I suppose, try and bankrupt somebody, couldn't you, if you wanted to yeah. just, you know, just send a load of letters and they just keep paying for them. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Um, but they did obviously it got changed uh, in later years but that's how it used to be originally mm. so there we go that's the story of Dick Turpin that's the story of Dick Turpin podcast pedestal wow gosh I mean it's it's now up to you out there yes to tell us what... tables are turned listeners it's over to you yeah the podcast what do you think pedestal. what do you think should be on the podcast pedestal absolutely let mm. us know you can email us we're going to put up a little thing on the website that you can pop an answer in as well you can do it on instagram if you know us personally you can message us um let us know what you think and we'll read out some of the best ones and then maybe pick from those next week yeah. uh, what do you think the, the kind of the 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 central point is of the story of Dick Turpin where it all changed or went wrong or went right or whatever you fancy mm, be very excited to hear from you and of course we will pick a winner we will absolutely we will. Um, now before we go on to pick next week's uh, location we have a little announcement don't we about a competition that is coming we up we do we've got a very exciting competition <laughs> so um it's Emily's doing a concert and you get to come to it. No. <laughs> no, uh, the festive holidays are, of course, just around the corner. Yep. And Alex and I, we are going to do something um, pretty fun, which is to jump in a taxi and we're going to go around London and enjoy the lights and record our podcast. Our Christmas in, episode, yeah. Our Christmas episode whilst in the taxi. And we're going to do a bit of a kind of a, a relay thing where we'll stop and someone will get in and... We'll have a, a bit of a guests. chat to them and yeah. yeah, a couple of guests. And you there'll be also there. be two seats. There'll be two yeah. empty seats and we want to fill them. Absolutely. So if you would like to come and join us for the recording of our Christmas podcast, um, then all you have to do is drop your um, email on our website we're going to put up a little a little box on the website or you can do it on instagram again um or drop us a message if you would like to go into the hat to be drawn out now it's going to be we need to show you the details to make sure you can do it first on the 9th of december at 4 p.m and it'll be for an hour or two um you'll need to get yourself to london and get yourself to come and meet us but we'd love to have uh one of our listeners and a guest one of their guests along uh, for the ride we really would Yay. so excited about this <laughs> <I'm> so excited <laughs> there will be mince pies there will be yes homemade by emily's fair hands yes <laughs> just well, dumping you in that there that, but... <laughs> um, we thought we'd have some, wine, some festive cheer well. we're gonna go around london and do a little bit of a kind of sightseeing and chat to some people and 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 have a look at the lights and generally you know get a little bit festive and we'd yeah. love you to join us so please do come and just you don't have to do anything other than just give us your email if you want to uh, do that we won't spam you or anything it's literally just for the purposes of this and then we will draw out of the hat um 
in a couple of weeks time and let you know who the winner is who's gonna come and join us brilliant we can't wait to meet you yay (laughs) and so what have you got coming up missy um, I have this weekend on Saturday my Black Londoners tour, which is one of my faves. I love talking, as as you know, and everyone listening knows, I love talking about people who are not as uh, kind of celebrated in British history. So I, so I love my harlots and my Black Londoners, which is all about people of colour who have done amazing things in London. And that is this Saturday at two o'clock. Uh, it's £15 per person. It's about an hour and a half. And we will talk about some of the most interesting and fabulous people of colour who have made a mark on London's history. Some very important marks as well. Lovely jubbly. What about yeah. you? Have you got anything happening? Well, I've got quite a lot of drawing to do, actually. Oh, um, good. Yes, I've had some uh, some commissions over the Fantastic. past week. And I'm doing some Christmas cards. So if anybody wants me to do any Christmas cards or Christmas drawings little presents um then just let me know yay yay the wheel of destiny all right it's time the wheel of destiny yes Yes. it's you next week it is i'm just gonna go for it all right what are you you thinking person or place or event what are you thinking well, I have had a couple of requests in, so I'm Ooh. going to try and kind of link it to one of the requests. Okay. Most of the requests are things, things that you can find in London. Oh, that's good, because I've done quite a few people lately, so let's, uh, okay, let's mix cool. it up a bit. Okay, here we go. Oh, oh, it's landed. Have we ever had Piccadilly? No, we had Mayfair. Oh my God, we've never had Piccadilly. No, no, we haven't. Go on then. What are you doing? We've never had Piccadilly. Um, oh, well, you got lots of hotels around there. Quite a few statues. Fort Masons. You got all the theatres. One, I tell you, this might. I don't know if I'll um, get away with this for a link. Oh no, this, actually, is this um, a request one or is this? A... This is a request. Oh, okay. So on Piccadilly, the road itself, you've got the book bookshop hatchards yeah hatchards bookshop so somebody has requested that we talk about famous bookshops in london oh okay so, um, oh that's a good link yeah yeah i might do maybe kind of four or five bookshops lovely talk about famous bookshops yeah, but i'll start with hatchards and then i'll kind of talk about other ones elsewhere does amazing. that count yeah i think so okay great yeah there we amazing go. well that'll be next week we'll be looking at some of the uh, the famous literary spots uh for your books in london Nice. Amazing. All right, everybody, have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening. We love you. Love you. Bye. Love you, Alex. Bye.